everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is JT. And if you are hearing this, you have once again tuned into the Consequence of Habit podcast. You know, I want to say happy holidays to everybody out there. And I don't care what holiday you are celebrating, whether it's Christmas or Kwanzaa or Festivus or Hanukkah. It doesn't matter, to be honest with you. I'm just hoping that after this shit show of a year that you guys are finding some joy at the end of the year however that's possible, and spending time with family and loved ones and remembering what's important. Hey, before we get this episode going today, I want to talk about a huge supporter of the Consequence of a Habit podcast, and that is our friends at Athletic Brewing Company. You know, I'll start drinking this stuff in front of people. They go, hey, what is that? I go, it's beer, dummy. It's high quality beer. Uh, sure, it doesn't have any alcohol, aka bad decision making, hangovers, DUIs, fights with your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever. I don't know. I don't know who you're fighting. You might be you're fighting your neighbor. I'm not saying you won't fight him drinking this. I'm just saying you won't do it drunk. And that's good. My favorite is their IPA. I love the Run Wild. I also love their Golden. I'm a huge fan of the Upside Dawn. I messed that up. Upside Dawn. So if you want to try athletic brewing, maybe you want to get it for somebody else for the holidays. Uh, go ahead and use the promo code capital C-O-H-20 and get 20% off your first order. All right, this week's guest, we're going to switch it up a bit. It's the holiday season. We need to smile. And that's what we're going to try and do here. I'm going to, it's my first time bringing a comic on the uh, podcast. And, and that's probably something not many of you know about, but but comedy plays a huge part in my life. I love it. Uh, I'm, I'd say I'm a comedian, but I don't think I'm, I'm worthy of that title. I have been on stage. Uh, matter of fact, I opened up for this this next guest. Let me let me skip my shit. I'm, I'm making it about me. This next this week's guest, Mr. James Mattern. James is a nationally headlining comic. He's also the host of the Commissioner of Comedy podcast. He is a funny dude, and the reason I actually reached out to him is because I opened up for him. I think about a year and a half ago. You know when you could actually go to a comedy show. And I watched this guy work. He doesn't remember. He doesn't remember, uh, well, me. He doesn't remember me, which I, I'm not surprised by. It. This guy's all over New York City. I mean, he's traveling the country doing this stuff. I can't remember every crappy opener. Uh, but I, I remember him because I watched him get on stage and just murder. And all, it was all like uh, off, the, off the cuff. It was all what they call crowd work. He didn't go up there with some set thing. He went up there and just started talking to the crowd and made them laugh. I found it very impressive. So, and I, and on top of that, I follow him. I see what he's doing. And, you know, comics, anyone in the entertainment business, comics had it tough. You know, waitresses, bartenders, restaurant owners, all, you know, anyone in that industry, the food and drink industry uh, and the live entertainment industry are suffering. But somehow this guy manages to keep this positive outlook on things. And that's the exact reason I hit him up. I said, hey, James, you don't remember me. Uh, any chance you want to come on the podcast? I get that if you listen to any episode, uh, comedy is not the thing that that stands out. And the guy, like the constant professional, he's like, let's do it. And we had a blast. So I'm going to let you listen to that now. I'm going to stop talking. Please welcome Mr. James Mattern. <laughs>
All right, thanks for joining us. This is JT here at the Consequence of Habit podcast. Today we are honored to have on Mr. James Matter. James, I appreciate you coming on, man. Man, I appreciate you saying you're honored. I mean, that just that's that's my first victory of the day, man. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I tell you what, and we're going to get into it actually why uh why why I'm having you on, but uh, James, just to start off, tell everybody what you do. What is your your professional job? I am a professional comedian, my friend. Yes. People don't believe they actually exist, but I am one of them. I am a goddamn walking unicorn. <laughs> All right. So this is one of the reasons I'm, I'm, I wanted to have you on is, is I have this whole thing is called the Consequence of Habit podcast because we talk about what everybody does on a daily basis. And is it something that brings value to your life or the exact opposite? Are your habits uh, holding you back? Or are they, are they, they helping you along the way? And for a comedian right now, dude. <laughs> dude. Why, why right now? It could be any time. It's still like, hey, is it worth doing? Yeah, I mean, and with that said, uh, now it's got to be like, it's just, I can't even imagine. So tell, what are you doing right now every day to keep your mind straight? Okay, these are great questions right from the jump. Right. I actually like that you asked this. I actually have a buddy who's going through some shit. Yeah. And I am trying to help get him out of it. And I tell him what I do. So this is what I do. So I've been fortunate enough where I've been working enough. There's been um, um, outdoor venues in New York. And uh, I'm going to the Philly area where there's like an outdoor thing. So I've been working not like I used to. Right. Just so people know, I'm like not a famous comic or anything, but I'm a working comic. I probably worked 27 days of the month, 25 on a bad, usually anywhere from six to 14 times in a week. I'm not hitting that, but it's enough during a pandemic where you're like, cool. Mm. Um, I'm still trying to be creative. I do a podcast. I'm working on a new album. I'm already looking on something past that new album, new ideas, trying to stay fresh. I wake up every morning. I make my coffee. I go to this computer, which I did not have pre-pandemic. I had no laptop for years because I'm an idiot. What? And I just figured, hey, I got this in my pocket. This works. I mean, what a dummy I am. I'm like a decade plus, whatever. So um, I read comic books online while I'm drinking coffee. I'll do business. If I have to editing or something I have to do, I'll do that first. And then I will read something while listening to like a composer, like a film composer, Spotify radio uh -huh. station. Okay. So like today, Henry Mancini. So it's a lot of 60s psychedelic swinging nonsense that's in movies, a uh -huh. bunch of randoms. Mel Torme came on today while I was reading an incredibly dark comic book. And I'll do that. A couple cups of coffee in the middle. I might get fired up to play music. I'll grab my bass. I'll play a little. If I have my guitar with me, it's in PA right now. I'll play guitar. And then I go for anywhere from an hour and a half to two and a half hour run. Then I'll eat breakfast. And hopefully by then there's other things for me to work on. Uh, someone will have me on their show mm -hmm. or more editing or promotion of my podcast, but I am keeping, I can do more or less any day of this, but this is kind of how every day is. Okay. And, right. and yesterday I kind of didn't do that. And it drove me nuts to the point where I had to go for a run at seven at night. And I'm like, Oh man, I feel like I've done nothing. I'm a sack of garbage. I watched a football game. Really? That's all you're going to do today in the middle of a pandemic. So that's what I try to do, and it puts me at ease. So there you go. 
right, so this is this is the part that that I, I really like. Right, so I, when I think comedian, now my my comedy, I, I I won't even say career because that that is that is a, a disservice to anyone who actually holds that title. The little bit I've dabbed in comedy, it's been because people go, "Hey, uh, you're you're funny, right? You're a funny guy. You can you're you're quick witted in your responses," and I confuse that right with being funny enough or the right kind of funny to be in front of people and doing this. Uh, where I expect maybe some type of monetary compensation. When I see somebody like you, where this is an actual job, right? You're not just trying to be funny. You're trying to make a fucking living and, and it, it's work. It's you, you are putting in work every day to make yourself to, to, to hone your craft. Um, I don't know that concept. It, it just, it didn't dawn on me. It's almost like, I just thought everybody who was a professional comedian was, they were just really funny. You know, it's only like, and they just did it. It wasn't a craft that they worked and they put years in. And it wasn't until I got up there, tried it a couple of times, bombed really bad, still love it, but really saw how much freaking work being a comedian must be. And I don't even know where I'm going with that. I'm just saying, I, it's just how I feel. And I like it the way you structure your day and it has to revolve around those things. Well, yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. So I don't write write like as much as other people do some people do an hour three hours of writing i write an idea down on my notes and then um i can perform it god willing when there's stages and that and i work out i'm one of those guys but i don't want anyone to get confused like it's still what i do in the morning is enjoyable but i kind of consider it a part of work right i read to keep my head strong i try to listen to as much different music something fresh all the time to feed me when I watch something on uh, when I uh, TV and that I'm trying to find a documentary or some kind of narrative thing that I haven't seen that inspires. I'm, I'm trying to put stuff. It's like eating the right foods when you're going to the gym, right, right. all these things I'm ultimately doing is to get me better on stage. I love sports. I love football. But I can only watch maybe a game. I watched because my team was on yesterday. I don't get the same thing. It doesn't help me going forward. And yeah, my whole right. passion is this, and I love it. So it is very tough for me to just take a whole day and just watch game to game. I feel like I'm really not – it feels like empty calories to me when yeah. there's so much stuff I could be putting into me so I am sharper on stage or it leads me to a different thought that I didn't have. Yeah, it's just a time suck, right? It just It's, it's pulling for it's, – it's the thing like that – social media is doing to such a large portion of us you know you sit down on the pot and then you realize an hour later you've watched 65 youtube videos and accomplished nothing it's a goddamn black hole baby yeah it really it really is um and and this has got to be strange to you because uh, you don't remember me, and I'm going to tell you why you stood out to me when you were on stage. You were not supposed to headline the show I was. Oh, is that for. show? Yeah, and it's a little place. I mean, uh, I don't. Oh, it was a good show. Yeah, there was maybe the, the opener sucked, uh, but the the there must have been uh, there must have been I don't know seventy people there. So. In my experience, I, I finally got to a point where I felt somewhat comfortable. I could go up in front of people and I had, you know, I had my six, my eight minutes or so where I could, I could get some laughs. And I, but what really scared me 
was to just start freestyling. It's just to start doing crowd work, <laughs> right? And in my head, you went up there and there was like, you went up there with a blank slate and you just started talking to the crowd. And in my head, you murdered. murdered. That was very kind. And I was like, this is, that is such deep water for me. Like, I, again, when I'm around my friends, I'm, I'm, I can be, you know, I have my days. I'm on, I, it's, I, I feel no pressure. But to be in front of all those people and still be, I don't know, man, just have that awareness and still just as sharp. I was really, really impressed by it. Well, thanks. But, but, but I mean, it came from years of practice. Right. So like, there's many moments <laughs> when I wasn't that fluid up there yeah. and there'll be many more to be blunt. You yeah, never, yeah. you never figure this shit out. That's something I talk about on the podcast. I, I mean, the minute you think you got this business figured out, it figures you out right. and you get humbled. Like it, it's just happened time after time again. It's, um, you, you look like you're in shape and you work out and you're athletic and all that. My boy, Giannis Papas always said that every stage is a gym. We're just trying to build muscle. That's yeah. all we're trying to do is you're just trying to build that muscle for those supposed whenever big gigs you get TV, this, you know, I do warm up for shows when those existed. So <laughs> that, that was building my muscle so I could do that and maybe get a decent paycheck to put in, you yeah, know? Yeah. And um, that's what you're doing. You're building muscle and it is a process. Mm. That's what it is. It, to me, it's, it's like uh, your ability to pick up, what the crowd is like because I, I i did this little video and i never put it anywhere where i did a set at a casino and okay. um i opened it was my big it was for kurt metzger i was opening up yeah and uh and it was it was fantastic i i, I felt like it was in a movie like somebody was just hitting like a laughter button like they were laughing too hard i'm like there's i don't know who's getting paid here but they, they got so they you're already a comic you're already a full uh, comic yeah. if you're questioning the laughs you're getting if you're like oh you dummies are laughing too hard <laughs> hit the break it to you welcome to the fold brother yeah well um that was until kurt got up and and did just hours of material since he went He's on more than, I did, it, was, it was insane one of the best yeah um so i did the exact i was feeling good i said you know what i signed up for like a, a philly comedy contest uh, after that, I, you know, I, I went home, I was feeling good about myself. I did the exact same set. I mean, to the T and, and felt, you know, you know, when times your delivery stinks, I felt like it was okay. Like I felt my timing was good. And when I say that it bombed from the first, the first joke that the, the, the first joke started it and then it just progressively got worse and worse to the point where I was hysterically laughing just out of the uncomfortableness of the room. Um, and that really, I mean, I thought about it, like, man, what did I do different? And I, I don't think I did anything different except my inability to read the audience. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, so those are the little nuances that, that can affect it. Um, one of the problems, man, is like, I mean, I've done this enough and I've done a lot of these jokes enough where I, I have confidence and I know they work. Mm -hmm. So there'll be nights they don't. And there, those will be nights where I realize the that the crowd for some reason came together and isn't a good crowd. Now, when you're younger in it, you're starting, you can't ever use that. You should always go home and go, all right, what, I do wrong? what could I have done? Because yeah. there's probably a chance, something you could have, but years in, you can figure out when people aren't trying or it's just a bad batch of people or wasn't. But a lot of times, yes, you might've delivered it in your mind the same way, but it might've been just a half a centimeter off. You might've been 
And all due respect, and I didn't see it. It could be a half centimeter where you are a little more robotic than yeah. you were the first time. Yeah. And that's where reading the audience is important. And this is something I still struggle with is, is not being true. Just thinking you get hot where your material's hitting and you just go, I do my material now. Mm-hmm. And you forget to take a step back and see what people are. Like when I go do Joel's shows in this outdoor like tent. Yeah. It's in front of a fucking river with goddamn sand. And you don't want to bring that up all the time. Right. But there are new people, and there's even people who've been several times. This is something they're thinking about. Yeah, right. And to not address it is you're lying in a sense. Mm. You're pretending. You're like, okay, so my sister, what the fuck do they care yet? You haven't realized that you're playing in the fucking woods, basically, <laughs> right, right, right. in the middle of a pandemic. Why aren't you being real about that? Yeah. Those are the little things that then once you get that laugh and that connection, then you can go in your material and it gives you life. Right, right. But if you just launch into it and we've all done it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, otherwise you're just pulling a string on your back. Right. And just in a sense. Yeah. yeah. And you talk about that. I mean, on, on your post about being true to yourself or having opinions and having like, uh, you know, just having the balls to say it, you know, we don't, you know, you like say, I may not agree with what you say, uh, but that's okay because we're all different. And I really, I appreciate that. Well, I mean, and I believe that like we're now at this point in society where we're not even supposed to have conversations with each other. Like I grew up thinking one way, but I will listen to what you say. And I'm, we can meet in the middle. Like my pops and I, my grandpa raised me. We didn't see eye to eye on a lot, but we would discuss it. And I have a lot of friends and politically we might be different. There's comedians who have different philosophies than I do, but we can discuss it. And no one, uh, and just because you say something I don't like, doesn't mean I I can't like you as an artist or a person. It's fucking insane to me. That all it takes is like one strike. Oh, did you hear what Chappelle said about yeah, yeah, this? Yeah, He's yeah, the, yeah. He was never funny. Are you out of your mind? Yeah. Yeah. You can, well, you can hate somebody and still go, man, that guy, that guy's a complete asshole, but man, he's funny. He is a funny guy. And I'm not talking about yes. Chappelle, everybody. So everyone relax. I like Chappelle. But yeah, I, no, and I do too. And, and, and it's okay if you don't like him. Right, right. And we can still talk. Yeah. And we, we can discuss why we don't, you know, that's yep, the yep, thing. Yep. And, it's not a clear cut. You're clearly a blank. If you think this about someone, maybe I'm not. Yeah. It's everyone wants everything to be so black and white. And and I learned this in an early age. 90% is gray yeah. of everything. I think your shirt's gray. great. Great. Oh, well, this plays out wonderful. <laughs> See, this is, this is what it is, man. Yeah. It's, it's easier for something to just be simple, right? It's, we want it to just be blank. You're, you're black, you're white, you're red, you're blue, you're this, you're that but there's so much more nuance yeah. to it. So why wouldn't we un- unrail it? You know, how does that affect? So uh, I, I never went into this going, Hey, I'm going to be a professional comedian. Like I've got a nine to five, right? How does that, that whole cancel culture, this whole social media crap where, where people are just spoon fed what their ideas are. And then if you don't agree with them, right, then, then you're, you're, you're ostracized. In the world of comedy, how does that play? I mean, is it a tightrope at all for you? Or are you like, hey, this is it. This is what I am. Um, and then whatever happens, happens. I mean, I try not to worry about I don't. There's certain things that I don't touch upon anyway. Yeah, and sense. I am mindful of uh, 
there are people who might not like, I don't really get political. If I do, I go on both sides. I also identify in the middle. I lean to the left, but I identify in the middle. I believe me, if you and I are drinking, the left will get as much as the right from me. Yeah. But there's a fine line of saying something and then someone thinks, Oh, you're clearly one of them. So I try to be mindful, but honest. And, and, um, I like to try and present those things honest. If you are worried about what you're going to say, though, that's going to stand in the way yeah. of what you can do. But also at the same time, uh, a friend, an old roommate of mine hit me up and is a huge comedy fan and asked my opinion on um, every comic special talks about co- uh, cancel culture now. Right, yeah. It has become a thing where we're almost over talking about it. Exactly, yeah. I'm going to shut And it's empowered a bunch of bad comedy, if we're going to be blunt. I've noticed a lot of people who are lazy writers, who are, their head is still in the 1950s with material and haven't progressed to how the world has changed. And if you don't laugh at their their hacky shit or their uh, totally insensitive stuff, oh, you're just trying to cancel me. You're too sensitive. No, you fucking are saying something their drunk uncle has said for three decades. So maybe you should rethink it. And But they're getting an audience because then they're playing on that. Yeah. And it's, see, I could say whatever I want. You can't say whatever you want anymore. Yeah, you should probably be fucking funny if you're a comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People forget that part, man. People try to just say their thing. Learn to be funny first, and then you can take people on journeys. Mm. Then you can say whatever you want once they trust that you're funny and something funny is going to come at the end of it. Then you can lead them towards your left or right ring uh, thoughts or your progressive thoughts or your whatever. You can take people who might not think the way you are on that journey as long as you're funny. Yeah. Yeah. But be funny first. You have to be funny first. And, and some people can pull it off. They can be funny. They can be controversial but they've been that way for so long that, that people know it's a joke, right? That maybe not at first. Like like Ricky Gervais talks about it. Like, you know, he'll say something and, and people say, are you scared about the, you know, the ramifications of what you said? And, and he, I think he said, if you think I haven't thought through every word that came out of my mouth, like I know what's coming, everybody. This isn't my first right. I, I, I get it. I get it. But if you know him at all, you know, it's just a joke. You know, and I think that's the, the hard part is maybe people confusing it or don't know the person enough to realize like, oh, he doesn't really believe this. Like he, he I don't know even if that yeah. makes any sense. Well, no, it, but, but, but it's interesting. Here's where it gets like complicated, right? It's like, so there's so many comics that clearly say things that they mean that are funny, that you can tell that that's definitely what their point of view is. Mm-hmm. And then there's some people where it is absolutely an act. And it is very tough for people to then go, that's real. That's a work, right? That's real. That's a work. So it's confusing to people like, um, man, I love David Lee Roth. And when I was, uh, when, uh, Eddie Van Halen died, I was watching all these live things because it hit me because I'm like a 40 year old dude. And so, uh, YouTube suggested me watch him on Joe Rogan. I go, okay. And David Lee Roth on Joe Rogan brought up, um, Sarah Silverman's act, her act like 15, 20 years ago Mm -hmm. is way different than it is now. Mm -hmm. And it was incredibly controversial because she played this character of the, the, uh, the white, uh, rich privileged girl who doesn't know better, who says these racist things. Mm -hmm. She used to have to go in her interviews all the time and be like, yo, I don't mean anything that I say on stage. Yeah. 
she was trying to convey to people the ignorance of like racism and prejudice and and not being aware of the world around them. And she got all kinds of shit. People didn't realize that. It's yeah. like, do you think she's that nuts to go on stage and say, this. And say those things yeah. and mean them? But now it's crazy. <laughs> there are people who actually, I think, mean them, but then hide. Oh, no, it's a joke. It's yeah. like, no, motherfucker. I heard you in the green room. Right, right. right. And there's a the difference, right? Like, it's like a pro wrestler uh, that, that you know, they, they've got their act, like their, yeah. their character, right? And you can be a mark for that and think that they're like that all the time. Like, George Animal Steel isn't biting things in the corner, you know, when he's... Now, I'm going back in time. I know one's... That was such a disappointment when he wasn't, when I, I met him, yeah, but whatever. I mean, he's just no. such a pleasant man. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I want I want to get into just to get back to the habit thing. I read I read some of your stuff and I listened to your some of your, your other things when you're talking about uh, wanting to do comedy and mentioning your, your your grandma and like at what age did you know that this is it? And then once you've decided that once you get to an age you're like all right this is what I want to do. What does that process look like to make it become a reality? Well, I, I guess apparently when I was real young, I told my aunt I wanted to be a comedian and then I forgot about it. And then I was going to be in bands and all. I mean, I, I thought I was going to grow to at least six, seven and at worst be an Italian basketball uh, <laughs> professional player. That didn't work out since I've been five, ten since seventh fucking grade. Thank you, genetics. And um, then I was going to be an actor and then I was going to be in bands and I was in bands. And then my bands were more funny than good. And I had a buddy get out of the military. He'd have to stay with me because uh, he couldn't go home. His dad was so hardcore past nine or 10. So he just crashed at our house and we would rent comedy and uh, like a comedy video. This is how long ago it was before DVD. And uh, we'd rent like Kinnison's and Pryor's and Murphy's and all this cool shit. And I taught him some like basic stuff on guitar and bass and I was watching comedy and within a year he's a musician and I'm a comedian and I would like uh, so my initial thing is I wrote everything out and I was doing a performance piece I was doing a starts now ends now mm-hmm. and you would do those things and it was real feast and fam it all be on one topic absolute sink or swim but I become obsessed and you just write. And then eventually I got into, well, I'm better loose. And then I stopped writing. Yeah. And then I learned eventually to uh, mix it all together. And there's times I went with no preparation and there's times I've gone with too much preparation. It's still a process ongoing. And that's the, what people need to know is like, you're never a finished product. This is like law. It's like medicine. You're practicing comedy. You are constantly trying to figure out who you are in that moment right now. So at 2020, I'm loose, but I have a bunch of jokes. I can't tell you what I'll be in 2021 or 2025. But that that's the way to be, right? I mean, to, to, to be able to do that loose thing and still have the, the, that arsenal of just jokes ready to go. Um, and I, because I, I knew nothing about these things when, when I started it, right? And I would go up and I would, I'd go to open mics and I would yeah. practice and anyone who hasn't been to an open mic, know, know they're terrible. Like most people there are truly terrible. Now there's some really funny people and usually the crowd is full of other people waiting to do their material, like, right? The other open mic people. Um, and I saw the people that were loose in small rooms did well. 
Like they were the ones that actually did well. The ones who had that start and finish like I did, uh, it just didn't, for whatever reason, it just didn't hit. And I was, I tried doing some loose stuff um, with a heckler. It wasn't even really a heckler. I didn't even think he knew there was a comedy show going on. I think he was just having a conversation with somebody. And, and I tried making a joke and it, I, was, I was mad when I did it and it came across so terrible. I mean, it was like embarrassing. I really, I felt like I, I really, we've all like been there. There's a fine line. Yeah. yeah. Cause it does matter to you um, that someone is interrupting your act or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But there has to be a lot of what we do is a fine line, man. It's just really, I just recorded an episode today. That's dropping where one foot in the darkness, one foot in the light. That's the constant thing. Hmm. I'd say most of us, uh, you know, someone asked me a question when the listeners like, why are comics so miserable? And I'm like, yeah, I guess a lot of us are, but some people really show it and encompass it all the time. It all will come from pain, probably. It all comes from pain somewhere. You're, we're all just trying to laugh off the real shit in our lives, the real shit that's happened to us. So you want to use that to take you to somewhere pleasant. So, like, I am angry at times, and there's times I react to an audience member or something or a moment or I'm doing a riff and it's from a real pain but it leads to something positive mm. when the, there's times though, when it's just pure anger and people pick that up yeah. and it doesn't come off right. And yeah. I've been guilty of it, man, too many times, unfortunately, mm. but that's the process is to learn hopefully how to reel it in. Yeah. 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 It, and it's funny. You talk about comedy and being angry. Uh, I was asked two days ago, cause like I said, this podcast uh, is not, it's not funny. It's not, I mean, this is the first time I've had a comedian on. I'll try and have little remarks throughout it, but we yeah. thought we cover a lot of serious stuff. And someone said, uh, Hey man, like, why did you pit somebody who knew that I liked comedy? Why did you pivot from doing comedy to, to like this deeper meaning? And I said, well, I think cause I use comedy my entire life to cover all that other shit up. It's all oh, it is. It, and, and this is, and I don't want to get too deep on it. So I, so I quit drinking two years ago. Right. And that was Good for part, you. Dog. Yeah. Thanks man. And it was part of my process of I wasn't numbing everything and I wasn't trying to make everything a joke. And I had all this like stuff built up inside of me and I just wanted to get on a mic and actually start talking about it. And other people started coming on and talking about theirs. So, but when this guy asked me that, I said, man, I, I think cause dude, that's been a crutch for me forever. Like it was it, the more stressed out I've been or the, the worst things have been in my life. I felt like I was the most creative and funny. That was the time I was always the funniest. Because you have no other option. Mm, right? Like, that's the thing. I mean, I guess you can wallow and yeah. you can be miserable and everyone's allowed to grieve however they want. Yeah. You know, I just remember, man, the few times I've had, like, my heart broken. Right. And I'm a mess and it was real bad and real touch and go in real life. Right. Right. But, man, when my name got called, Murder. that was some of the best shit of my life. I wish I filmed every one of those sets. Yeah. Put that as a, as a documentary out. Yeah. An ode to blank. So I won't give her the pride right now. Right. But uh, like that's that's where it's been. Some of those darkest times. I even mentioned it in this episode. I don't want to be like just like a commercial for that. No. But like this is still on my mind because I just recorded a few hours ago. I um I like to hit bottom before I perform as much as I can. I try to when I'm on the train or if I'm in a car and I have my headphones on, I try to listen to as much um emotional music. If I cry on the way to a gig, I kind of, I don't assume anything, but I have a good feeling that the show's going to be well. Cause I like to be at zero 
and that leaves me focused and there's nowhere to go but up and I'm in tune with all my feelings and now I can just, I got all the bad stuff out of me and now I can just put the good stuff out. That's what I'm into. Yeah. Like, that is um, like part of the process for me, man, is just to let that even out and um, you can really be in, in tune with your shit, man. Yeah, I like that. I think anytime... I, and I think this goes with anything in life. If you go in already super pumped and feeling great, you're right. One thing, one little stumble and the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. And that's what you're saying with like when you were just doing the six minutes or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. All it takes is one thing to not get the laugh that you think you get every time. Mm -hmm. And you might not, you might not get a laugh at every spot that you think you do all the time, but the overall you leave and it's good. And so anytime it doesn't feel like at that level, even though it never was fully at that, it screws you up. I always tell people the best thing you can do when you're doing something big, like a recording or something is bomb your tune up gigs, bomb them. Anytime I've had an audition or anything that I'm tuning up for and it went great the night before, for the most part, it's brutal. My first Montreal, I limped into it. I got fired basically from a warm up gig. <laughs> I broke my phone, my cell phone, couldn't get it replaced, like the screen. Mm -hmm. All this shit, everything was crumbling, and it went, it went really great. Um, my album recording. Had to find a new apartment because I had a sublet, and the, the uh, uh, landlord didn't know I was subletting. Threw me out, basically. I uh, was up for a job, and I was in limbo. My mom's uh, birthday, that depresses me. All this shit is crumbling around me, and I bombed all week all week and in it i almost didn't go to my own album recording i had to be talked into by the owner of the club wow and it ended up going well it went well but but it's it's i you i ended up going there with zero i can't get any lower yeah. <laughs> for all those things i wrote arrived at my first montreal feeling i can't get any lower i'm not going to be asked back to that tv show i have a whole week here with my fucking spider webs on my right. phone <laughs> it can't get worse I can't, it can't get any, what are they going to do? Send me home. I mean, I guess, well, it's whatever it just, and then you, then you can really come out and yeah. that is same thing with the album. I was like, all right, I'm humbled. So I'm not expecting anything. I didn't get upset if something didn't hit early. Cause I came at zero yeah. Yeah. and allowed that moment to be what it was. Yeah. You got nothing to lose at that point. Right. I mean, that's where you can truly just let it out and see what happens. house money. Yeah. House money at that point, man. Hey, where'd you grow up? Ironically, Las Vegas. So there you go. House money in the Las That's going to sound like you planned that. Uh, that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds about as hacky as they get. I'm, I'm going to edit that to, that question into later. Yep. Move it to minute 43. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so you grew up in Vegas. When, yeah. And, and when did you decide to come to New York? I think I caught the so 06 I got here, 05. I was like in a crossroads cause I've been doing stand up about five years and it was, uh, the casinos weren't really working local talent much at that point at all. So the ceiling was just our shitty shows we were running mm -hmm. and, uh, or some road gigs and the road bookers weren't really biting at me and there wasn't enough stage time to get better. So I had to go to LA or New York, but I was like shuffling my feet on it. Uh -huh. And then basically another example of everything going low, we had a Halloween party at my house. My uh, newer roommate, who I barely knew, um, slept with the girl that I invited that I'd uh, 
made out with a few times and liked, banged her out. Um, everything was falling apart around me. Uh, I'd been to five funerals, I think, within like 40 days. Um, a lot of crazy shit. And I walked around with my buddy, one of my best friends, um, then wife. He was dressed as Prince, which is because he went as Prince every Halloween. And she was dressed as Apollonia. She's in tight leather. We're walking around North Las Vegas, Nevada, which is not the best. And I was telling her, like, I had tears in my eyes. I was like, I guess it's time for you to go to L.A. or New York and figure out what this next step is and get better. And then, like, and so that's what, October 31st? So March 3rd, I moved to New York. January, I went to L.A. for like a week and New York for a week and a half hmm. and to figure this shit out. How many times throughout all of this has it come into question? Like, man, it's, I tried. I, I, I gave it a shot. I did my best. It's time to go hang out with my buddy dressed like Prince again. I got, I got to go figure out. I got to figure something else out. It's too late now. But <laughs> you're, you're, you're in, baby. You're there's, in. It, it, to t- to take an old phrase from an old wrestler from Michael Hayes, you can't get half pregnant where I'm the baby's the, the baby's already out. The baby's yeah, already yeah. in college at this yeah, point. Yeah. There is no turning back. I, um, when you start, there's lots of it. And I guess there's probably a few times in, when I moved out to New York where it was like that. And there's times I probably gotten depressed in the last year or two or like, you know, Warm-ups real cutthroat, and then sometimes there'll be a new booker at a club, and you kind of get reduced, and you struggle for a minute making your ends meet, or whatever, man, or you get passed over for something. But once again, it comes back to like that that scene in Comedian with uh, Seinfeld and Orny Adams. It's like, well, what else were you going to do, man? Like, I don't know, other than show business type stuff, what else I can do. I mean, there's... Other things I'm interested in that could get good. I haven't had a day job in eight years. I can't rem- I I would when I go to restaurants and I see people handle tables like a five top. Holy shit! It looks like black magic to me now. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, how are you doing this? Yeah. And it's been too long. I don't know. So there's no turning back. And it's just what I'm supposed to do, man. Yeah. I'm born this way. I'm born to do this. What, so what a great thing to say, though. You're doing what you're born to do. Yo, how many people in this world will ever say that? And I'm fortunate about that. And I, I have taken it to granted too many times, to be honest. So I try to remind myself to be present that I am doing this and I've been able to make a living off it. And so that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so many people never figure out why they're supposed to do anything or what they want to really do. I mean, I haven't. Uh, an ex-girlfriend who ha- makes six figures and isn't happy. It's yeah. a job that on paper, it was great. She's not fulfilled. Yeah. And I'm hoping one day she finds it, you know, but um, that's another thing, man. We all just, just figure money just solves everything. Like I could have been like six figures running restaurants years ago. I probably would have jumped off a bridge by now to be quite honest with you. So what is happiness? Even if I'm broke tomorrow, it's weird, man. My stepdad and I were really close. He just passed away and he was the first one in the family to have my back. And it was really weird, man. I think the beginning of this year or end of last year, he was giving me a speech, like a speech that I did not expect. Well, are you, maybe it's time you start thinking about something and it, it hurt, man, to be quite blunt. Ah. It really hurt. And it's like, what do you mean? Well, you know, you're getting, you're in your forties now and secure, secure. Well, you know, maybe things haven't taken off. 
I didn't want, I've never wanted to be the biggest dude. Um, I've worked all this hard just to get to where I'm at now, which is good. Yeah. It's all right. Pre pandemic. And, um, it's like, I'm not worried. I'd rather die in the street doing what I'm supposed to do than, um, die with a million bucks in my pocket and not been happy and just been doing blood work. Yeah. Like, you know, what is that term? Blood money, getting blood money. Right, like right. it's, I'd rather die. Yeah. It's fine with me. Die like Edgar Allan Poe. Boom. I don't care. It's just, it, the other shit isn't that important. If you're not happy, you're not expressing yourself. What's the point, you know? And not everyone does that, but that's who I am. You know, I think it's real easy for, for people who are living that life for the pension for, uh, just, just, you know, clocking in, getting their paycheck, going home. And after you do that for a while, and, I, and, I, and this isn't, I, I certainly don't want it to imply that this is your stepfather. I'm just saying people in general. And they can look at somebody like yourself or somebody who's following their true passion. And I guarantee there's a sense of, of, of jealousness of man. It, Cause it takes balls. I mean, you talk about you know, all, all the crazy life you're living in Vegas to pick everything up to 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 really cross the country to chase your dreams, and that's you are definitely most people most adults will tell you that's probably not the way to go. Find yourself, get 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 your benefits, get your pension, get these. Things. And I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I don't think a lot of people can even understand it. it. They don't understand what it it would be like, and and me included, to truly live. The, the, you know, to know you're doing what you were put on this earth to do. Well, I mean, I just know that there would have been no satisfaction in my life mm-hmm. that this was, I, I had this inkling that this is what I'm supposed to do. It's something I was passionate about. And I had enough people telling me that I was good enough. Yeah. That was, there was enough indication. I was still raw. There were still times, man, I remember this dude eating breakfast with this dude in Vegas at a casino and he's not in comedy for a decade now, decade plus, but he was hot shit for a minute in Vegas. And he did a top 10 list of the local talent. So especially back then, there's not much great. It's a small pond. Uh-huh. He, he said next to me and left me off the top 10 list and it fucking stung me. Son of a bitch. But I worked harder and then it got, I remember when I left, I think I was top five, not that that matters, but there was enough people who were working comics who come in and settle in the city or road comics that put it in my ear. You got this. You're, you're still raw. You still have a lot ahead of you, but there's enough of it where I was like, all right, there's no looking back now. Yeah. And I just, the only times I was ever happy was the weekend when I get on stage and I would leave, man, I had a good job. I would leave. I would take breaks and go bomb for 30 minutes and go back to wait tables on the strip union job. Yeah, I would like trade out of stations on a Wednesday to go bomb. It's like anything to do it. And I felt better on yeah. Thursday that I did that than if I would have walked with 200 bucks, 200 bucks plus 15 an hour and benefits. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, who wouldn't be happy with that? Right, right, right. I wasn't. <laughs> right. James isn't. The, yeah, Dan. Uh, the bombing part. I think it's, it's an important thing to talk about because most people – you know, they, they, you just start talking about the big names in comedy and, uh, you'll hear like, dude, I saw, I saw Chappelle one time and he was terrible. And, and I go, dude, I don't think you realize 
Like when someone's making, and I, and I hate to say this, like I like I actually know what the fuck I'm talking about, but that to to make a set or the amount of times professionals are gonna bomb, that's a, that's kind of like it happens quite a bit. The professionals keep coming back though. They keep coming back. They learn from it. They get better. They get better, and then they've got this 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 set that just just kills. So. Um, and you just said you just posted something about that. You, how do you know you're a real comedian? If you go up the first time and you do great and you're living off that high, and then you go again and then you bomb, but you still want to go back, that's when it's in your blood. And I loved it. I loved. That's it. what it is, man. Yeah, yeah. Someone just asked me the other day. Like, I don't think I've ever met this kid in, in real life, but he hit me up. He DM'd me, and it was like, should I do this? I was bombing all the time, and I don't know if there's going to be stages again for a while and i feel like i'm falling behind and i just i I said here go do some homework go google so you want to be a writer by charles bukowski read that and get right back to me and he goes yeah thanks man i'll see you out there when everything opens up again like if it's if you're doing it for any reason other than it's what satisfies you as a person and makes you feel that you are giving something to society if it's anything more than that or if those are the number one reasons, then you're fucked. Yeah. Then don't do it. Yeah. Because it's one of those things, man. Uh, if you were told that you're never going to make a dollar again doing this, would you still do it? And if your answer is yes, even if I was making seven figures, like I don't want to win the lottery. I'd hate to be tempted not because I'd still go and do this. Mm-hmm. People be like, well, <laughs> you don't need the money. Yeah. Well, it wasn't about it. Yeah, right. If I was doing this for money, I would have stopped a long time ago. Yeah. You do it and money will come as you keep progressing in that. But, yeah. but I think it's better when you put that lower on the list. I mean, obviously it's how I make a living. So I have to hustle. Mm-hmm. And I ain't going to uh, lie pre pandemic. I turned down some gigs that to me weren't worth it for certain things. And, but ultimately man, you do them because you love doing this. Yeah. I've also done free shit. I've done free shit now during the pandemic. I've, my rate at some places is not what it used to be because I understand that the financials aren't the same. Right. And I have buddies going like, well, wait, that's low. Why are you doing that? Well, fuck man. I still want to do this. I have to do this. And this is, this is what it is now. And they're not trying to just screw me. It's, it's their The money ain't the same for them. Right. As it was. Right, so right. it's better than zero. Like whatever yeah, it's paying. a passion, yeah, yeah. but that's why so many people will, will do it for free. And that's why, you know, sometimes, you know, you get taken advantage of, mm. but it's because some people just love to do this. It's in your veins. You need to do it. It's the most important vessel for you to be a person. Yeah. I mean, it's, those are the people, you know, and some, some people might not even be that good at it, but they just have to do it. Like some of the people that show up at the open mics, they've been showing up for years they're never going to get anywhere. They, from what I saw, they're not getting funnier. In, in my humble opinion, they could be great, and I just don't oh. have the, the palate for it. But, they, but they're there because they love doing it, man. And I respect that. I, I respect somebody just as much doing that than somebody who's just, it comes natural. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, we could get mad at the people who just go to the, the court and shoot hoops because they're not LeBron. <laughs> right. Right. Like, like, like they can't play ball. If you're, if you're not a pro, if you're not making a living as a basketball player, you can't go and, and shoot a three. So, you know, it's good that people love it. Yeah. I used to be snobbier. And I heard the that. unfortunate thing is 
is people getting away. Bill Maher had that great anal- yeah, yeah. analogy that like uh, stand up uh, is uh, kind of like a marathon at the city level. The Kenyans are running next to lawyers <laughs> yeah. and doctors yeah, yeah. and what call it. So that can get in your way. But you know, man, when when those lawyers and doctors are still doing it 15, 20 years later, there's some people like that, man. I'm not going to use names, obviously, but it's like I see they post about comedy every day. They love being a comic. They might not be the best comic. Yeah, they're a fucking comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, th- there's going to be 12th men just like in basketball, right? There's going to be tomato cans like in boxing and 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 wrestling and that. But there's still that. They're still pro wrestlers. They're still pro boxers. Mm-hmm. They're still pro basketball players. Comedy's cool that that you can you can be in the same green room that that I mean if you go to play pickup basketball you're not playing at Madison Square Garden you know no. what I mean? and you, but but you can do comedy as a nobody like myself and be in the same green room as legit comics and I lo- I thought that was so cool like I'm sitting there and as a as a fan of comedy uh, I think that is a, an amazing experience that in itself to be called out on the same stage, uh, as, as a big name comic, man, that, that just made me feel absolutely amazing. Love true. Amazing. Right. Yeah. That you could be like a year earlier. Oh, I think I should do this. And then yeah. right before you, right after you is, is someone you admired that in, inspired you, or you might end up hosting. Yeah. When I moved out here, like Sarah Silverman's one of my influences and I'm bringing her on stage my second or third year in New York. It's pretty crazy. That's great. It's wild. And you're like, and I think she gave me like a hug and maybe even like a kiss on my cheek. And I'm like, are you, can you kill me right now? Like this is nuts. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Um, have there been, I I, mean, this, this even sounds like a stupid question. Have you ever been, especially when you're new and you see somebody go up, and they're so good. They're so good. You're like, it's almost like we're playing two different sports at this point. Like this person yeah. is just, and it's such a level that it, it, it's so intimidating that it makes you question your own abilities. Oh yeah. And it's humbling. Yeah. yeah it's great. You, uh, I don't know if you like listen to rock music. There's that old story of, uh, Pete Townsend asked Eric Clapton to go to the movies and Eric Clapton's like, what, the, what are we doing? Movies. You never asked. And he just spends the whole time talking about, um, I saw this kid that um, is going to ruin us all. We should think about other jobs. And it was Jimi Hendrix. Really? Yeah. And it's, I always thought that was amusing and I've had moments and I'm, I am not the comedy version of either of those two wonderful guitar players. But like, I remember I moved to New York, man. I used to get stage time uh, on Mott street in a uh, restaurant, coffee bar, tapioca bar, whatever in Chinatown basement. It was called, um, what was it called? Teabag, ironically. <laughs> and it was hot for a minute. Uh-huh. And they did a, a, a Saturday show and it was fucking dope, man. And I've always had great experiences. And then I had to follow um, this woman who was huge in that scene named Sue Ball, who just burned calories and was great. And that was scary enough. And then um, Eric Andre was in front of me wow. and I didn't want to go <laughs> on. And I usually didn't fear following anyone, but it's like, oh shit, dude. Yeah. 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 And I text my friends. I called a bunch the next day. I go, I'm really rethinking things because right. that's a talented dude. Mm-hmm. And he's the future of this business. It's he's on another level. Mm-hmm. And I still get humble, man. This summer I sat and watched Sam Morell in the middle of a pandemic when people aren't getting stage time, do 50 minutes of blinding material. And before him was the great Dina Hashem. Wow. 
old friend of mine who did who middled. And when I told her off the stage, I go, you make me want to quit. And I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> as a compliment. Right, right. That I'm not I'm not good. Mm. Yeah. Like it's it, it's humbling. Yeah. Use it as something to humble you and make you work harder and have perspective. You know, that's the key. Yeah, it's always moving that 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 finish line like further away. Like you th- even when you when you think you're getting there, like, oh no, no, no. There's always another level. There's always another level. Um have you done a bunch of stuff? Have you done any stuff overseas before? I mean, like I guess Jamaica, but that's still North America. I've never left North America. We, okay. I played Jamaica. I played in Canada. I was supposed to go to England in April, and um, you know this thing happened. I was looking forward to finally going to Europe, and I've always been told that I should do comedy in England and uh, the UK and go to Ireland because of my style. So hopefully, when the shit opens up again, I can. Yeah. But uh, I would like to, and I, I was starting to open up for someone who I who had dates like in. Australia and that, and I was hoping I was going to be asked to go open for that cat there. Once again, that didn't happen. Everything for a reason, was so it, whatever. But was it Theo? Uh, no, it yeah. wasn't Theo. No, but yeah. Um, well, he plays everywhere. God bless. I mean, he's probably going. He's probably in Antarctica now. <laughs> That's right here. I, I made the mis- Well, I shouldn't say I made the mistake. I, I got to go on stage twice in the UK. Okay, where and, at? Uh, I I was uh, Hammersmith. It's just outside London. Okay. Uh, it was. A little dive place like it's a nothing little venue and uh and when we go when we talked about before knowing your audience uh and i because i'm interested by you said they someone said because of your style they'll like you know they're going to pick up on it and i didn't i don't even have a style yet right so i started i started this set and i and i got i got literally zero laughs and i realized because i didn't know my audience i was talking about i had this whole bit on medication commercials um, about like how they don't know their audience, right? If, 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 and I, I don't want to start saying the, the, the bit at all, but it's, it's about if they knew their audience, uh, it was a diabetes commercial. They would have guys okay. in, in rascal scooters with their purple ankles sticking out from underneath their sweatpants. And, and I started, I, I started talking about sodas and it was, they got nothing but blank stares. And I realized they don't have medication commercials there. They don't know what Mountain Dew Code Red is. Yes. They don't know what a rascal scooter is. And I had Walmart in there. They have no idea what a Walmart is. And and I realized then, man, that I, you got to know what the hell, like the people that you are talking to. Well, there's a little bit. So I don't know how the other international festivals do it, but like, so JFL in Montreal, um, when you do your first one, they get you in a day early. And they, I think they still have people do tune-ups for tapings and that, but I yeah. usually go and, and do warm-up. Um, I've been there enough where I just go in the day of now. But my first year, they don't schedule you. And then the day of, you find out, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And the reason you do these tune-ups is because they don't have candy bars. They have chocolate bars. Mm. They don't have this. They say something this way. It is to prepare you. Once again, a tune-up where you, you're kind of getting hit in the mouth or not doing as well as you think you can or should because you, there's a little bit of loss in translation. Even though you're saying the same so, words, yeah. you speak the same language, everyone's got different things. So, yes, England, shit, let's see. Do they even say soda? What do they say? Fizzy water? Yeah, yeah. Right? It's yeah, like fizzy it's, water. It's like gas. Water with gas or something yeah, like that. There's, 
all that shit. So that little thing, they don't know what you're trying to convey. Yeah. So that's the, that is the, it's really tough. Yeah. Those little things you don't, you take it for granted. We speak English. Yeah. 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 And, and it was then I realized that you have to rely on like a, a universal human condition. And that's where you'll always make that connection. You know, like everyone's been in love or everyone's been broken up with or, or kids and, you know, any of these things. And then I'm like, All right, at least we can find some common ground or I won't step on my toes and say something that they have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, there's that. And then, you know, if you can do homework before for yeah. some of that, I mean, personal is always going to work. That's what they always tell you. Mm. They tell you for several reasons, right? As personal as you can. So you can, because we all have these shared experiences. We've all been heartbroken, fired, all this shit. But also, you know, then you can't, they can't steal from you if it's real personal. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's the yeah. thing. Yeah. And it seems real when you're doing it. Right. Right. Hey, have you thought about what is it about you that makes you want to get up in front of other people to make them laugh? Like, is it, is it just the, 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 well, I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'll let you actually answer the question. What? You can. Maybe, I, maybe I've been full of shit. <laughs> right. Because right. I've questioned, like, what is it? My ego? Like, what is it about that process where I need everyone? Hey, everybody, look at me. I'm going to make you laugh. Like, what is it about you that, that, that makes, makes you do it? Reminds you that you're okay. As we talked about the pain, you have pain. You feel flawed. When people laugh, I'm not flawed right now. Yeah. It also makes me forget that I am flawed. It makes me forget that I have pain, that things aren't good. Yeah. And it's nice to see people having a good time. Yeah. That brings you joy. Right. Right. Even if it's and, temporary, just that little, that, that little time frame when everyone's laughing and you're the reason for it. That's, that's pretty cool, man. When you yeah. really break it down, it's like, yeah. oh, I got people to forget that their rents do. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They probably should have used the money they bought in the ticket and the drinks for rent, but whatever. whatever. Hey. That's all right. Have you done any of these, these online gigs at all that people are doing during pandemic? Yeah. So I, I've done, I did Zooms. I didn't hate them. Um, I didn't like doing stand up on Instagram live, but Zooms where you could see people when, and definitely when they're unmuted, I like, and I, uh, We'll definitely experiment with them going forward. Mm -hmm. um, they're not ideal, but it's a different muscle. And to assume that this isn't the future is crazy. I mean, this yeah. winter, it's getting tougher to get outdoor gigs right now. Right. So we might have a couple months where the only thing you're doing Zooms. So I'm not a, totally against them. And I think there's probably people who are figuring out how to be the Richard Pryor, the Joan Rivers, the Lenny Bruce, the Billy Conley, whoever, um, of that. Right. And it's, it, that's interesting to me. I think there's going to be some real interesting people who figure that out. There's going to be a style of it. There's, it's really cool. I, like, I think it's foolish to not think that that's part of comedy. That's cool. You know, people thought vaudeville was going to last forever. Mm. How's that working out? Yeah. Yeah. And you have to think about that, right? Like if you don't look at it as an opportunity and you're just fighting it the entire time, then, uh, it's not like because you're upset about the whole thing that the, the pandemic is going away. Like you better adapt, you better figure it out, you know, if you, or you're not going to get work. Yeah, man, it's, it's crazy. I mean, based on, on how you talk, I can tell you at least, um, at one point really like wrestling. Um, the, the old dudes who just think that the way wrestling was when they came up was the way it's going to last, you know, uh, they don't work forever. Yeah. Terry Funk was doing moonsaults at 53 because he saw where the game was going. Um, 
Super Bowl winning coaches, people are like, why did Chuck Knowles suck in the 80s? Is it just because he didn't have Terry Bradshaw? Yes, but also he won a certain way and he assumed he could keep coaching that way. Bill Belichick has been the team of the decade for two separate decades, two in a row, 20 years. Why? Because his system is what works best now. He also had Tom Brady, but he figures out this is what I got and this is the best way to adapt and to win. So do you want to keep doing what you're doing or do you want to just say that you were good at it at one point and that you were able to make a living at it at one point? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to always be true to myself. And the minute that if this business changes and I don't like it and don't feel comfortable and I don't feel like I can really fulfill myself and be the best I can in that medium, then I'll quit or go somewhere else or do whatever. Right. But if it's going to change, am I going to just, just, no, don't change. The world changes. Yeah. It's always will. It always will. So why not adapt and be you in that world? Yeah. James, somebody wants to check you out. Where are they, where are they going to find you other than Zoom? <laughs> yeah, now that I'm just becoming a, the Zoom man. <laughs> um, v James Mattern on Instagrams, YouTube. I'm putting more videos. Uh, check out the Commissioner Comedy Podcast. I really appreciate this because this is a lot of what I do. My podcast, uh, I have under the comedy category, mm-hmm. but I'm not like trying to be funny. It's kind of me by myself. Now I'm doing more like listener mail and I just discuss a topic and, and the real things and tell stories. And it's about passion. So even if you're not like a comic or trying to be a comic, I think people thought it was just like that. Man, if you have a passion, it, I, I want people to um, be able to apply the things that I've done and other people have done to be comics and that discipline and that love towards what you do mm. and, you know, to express yourself and what you're doing for a living as best you can. So, like, so check out the Commissioner Comedy Pod. You can check out my album, No Segways. I think I have a second one. I'm waiting for the green light on that. So hopefully we get that out by spring. And, man, we're just going to keep going. I'm going to keep trying to do shit that amuses me and keep keep growing yeah yeah and 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 not to harp on it but but even that that uh dude that video of you running in the wind i think (laughs) yeah i was i was like this is perfect this is the exact kind of stuff uh that that i want to talk about i mean what does that daily process look like for a professional comedian uh and the work and the work it's it's important to me yeah yeah good stuff it's important to go out there it makes my head better to run i almost didn't i went to get a bagel and the line was too long and i go fuck it i'll just run I swear to god <laughs> my right. body's been aching of late i'm like maybe i shouldn't i've been running hard and um i had two really fun shows that night it was recorded on a saturday and i, I can tell you a straight face i don't know if those shows would have been as good i don't know if i would have been as loose if i didn't go and get that run in and then as the clouds because it was raining yeah i, I yeah, started yeah. It was raining and that's right around that time the sun was coming out and the rain was stopping. And my last two miles or whatever was with the sun and the weather changing. It was still cold, but I go, this is the optimism. This is what I was supposed to run now. And this yes. is going to be an all right night, man. This yes. is good. But I don't know if I would have been in that mood if I didn't do that, if I didn't put myself through that. Dude. So that's it. I like it. I like it, man. Keep doing what Appreciate you're doing. It. Keep, uh, you know, I'm definitely ch- me tuning in the podcast. I'm going to try and get as many other people on there. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time doing this. Seriously. Thank you. This is great what you're doing, man. I love Thanks. 
Man, I mean, we can all be funny all the time uh, somewhere else, yeah, but it's nice to talk real and uh, philosophy and just, you know, we're just all trying to figure out life. So this is good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, man. Awesome, James. I appreciate it, man. You have a good one and uh, I'll catch you another time, man. Right on, Papa. Thank you, dog. Thanks, brother. That it is it. What? What did I just say? That is it for me. Uh, I appreciate you guys checking out the podcast. Please like, subscribe, do all that kind of good stuff. Uh, Again, have a great holiday season, whatever yours is. And please come back next week. 